We'll hear argument next in case 134 on our original docket, New Jersey versus Delaware. Mr. Farr. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court. Although the 1905 compact between Delaware and New Jersey did not settle the boundary dispute between them, New Jersey nevertheless agreed to dismiss the suit that it had filed before this Court to determine the boundary. And the reason for those two seemingly contradictory facts, I think, is because the compact did resolve permanently certain issues of jurisdiction, implementing rules that could be administered without regard to where the boundary was. Thus, in particular, Article 7, the provision of the compact that's particularly at issue in this case, provided that each state could continue to exercise its traditional riparian authority over the riparian owners on its side of the river according to its laws. Now, the special master, I think, fundamentally changed the nature of the compact by superimposing the boundary line into the terms of an agreement that was meant to operate without it. And I think he did so because he mistakenly applied the presumption that all promises with respect to jurisdiction and territory must be unmistakable. And this Court, however, had said several years before in Virginia versus Maryland that that presumption simply is not applicable to compacts that are entered into when the boundaries between the states are disputed. Or, uh, one of the striking things about this compact is that to the extent that it is definite, um, th- there's a lot in here in detail about service arrests on the river and about fishing. But then you get to these two uh, articles at the end, and they certainly don't have that same definite detailed quality. But I read the Article 7 that you're stressing. It says, let's see, may continue to exercise. So it seems to me that may continue to was just whatever was the status quo that will continue, not to do anything dispositive, just whatever was will continue. Well, several things about that, uh, Justice Ginsburg. First of all, I think that the language continue to necessarily brings in the historical antecedents of regulation of riparian matters by both states. It's undisputed in this case that on New Jersey's side of the river, that is, with respect to riparian owners on the New Jersey side, New Jersey had exercised full and exclusive authority over, for example, wharfing out to navigable water and the building of piers and wharfs to do that, the granting of lands, without any involvement whatsoever by Delaware. Was it clear that New Jersey believed when it had authorized somebody to wharf out that the person who wharfed out was not subject to New Jersey's environmental laws? No, I think what the, that, the history doesn't show anything about that. The history doesn't show anything so specific if, about if, that if kind it, of law. If it would have been subject to New Jersey's environmental laws, had New Jersey uh, owned the bed of the river uh, into, into which the, the wharf was extended, uh, by parity of uh, reasoning, it seems to me uh, the wharf would be subject to Delaware's environmental laws if Delaware owns the bed of the river. I think without the compact, that would be true. But I think what the compact is saying is that you get to retain the degree of power on your own side of the river that you had before without regard, ultimately, to where the boundary is determined but to be. Your, your argument, I mean, it's, it seems to me it's not that easy, because your argument uh, is assuming that by virtue of the May Continue language, the state of New Jersey acquires a new power. And the new power, in effect, is to is to um, make grants of of subaqueous land that belong not to New Jersey but to Delaware, 
And that's the stretch. Uh, it, it's, it seems to me that that is such an extraordinary position or a proposition that you've got to have something more specific than may continue in order to construe that as meaning an agreement which was intended to give New Jersey the power to grant away Delaware land. Well, Justice Souter, I think the, the difficulty with that question is it assumes uh, knowledge of where the boundary is. In other words, when one talks about Del- New Jersey getting a new power to grant lands that are within Delaware, that is, a, that is a question that necessarily assumes that the boundary has to be part of that understanding. Well, I don't, no, I'm, I'm, the, I'm simply saying that your position, and I accept your position, that the compact is intended to continue to operate whether or not the boundary uh, is, is ultimately determined, and if so, after it is ultimately determined. And once we get to that point of continuing to operate after, then necessarily the only way it can operate on your theory is to give New Jersey the power to grant Delaware land. And if New Jersey has that power, it must have been a power that was intended in the 1905 compact. And that intent strikes me as a very extraordinary uh, intent. And, and my, the point of my question was the application of the compact in the new circumstances, as you claim it to be, would be so extraordinary that you ought to have language more specific than may continue in order to establish that extraordinary result. Well, of course, it, it, it is saying may continue to grant riparian rights and lands under its laws. So it's not simply the language making. Well, if, if you emphasize under its laws, then don't you lose, because New, New Jersey does not, I presume, New Jersey does not have law, for example, in its Constitution providing that it can grant Delaware land. Well, I don't think that the laws have to refer specifically, obviously, to granting Delaware land. It did have provision for granting laws beyond the low water mark in New Jersey. Many of the grants before 1905 yeah, on the assumption that it, in fact, had jurisdiction, that it had land below the, beyond the low water mark. But what, what I think you're suggesting, Justice Souter, I think is what, what fundamentally alters the nature of the compact is to assume that New Jersey had certain powers up until the time the boundary line was determined, and then it lost those powers after the boundary line. It didn't so much lose. I mean, it, it, it had a generalized recognition of power. In order to exercise that power, it had to possess certain uh, attributes, i.e., land. Once it lost that land, it had nothing to exercise the power over. In fact, it had a little bit left. It had the, the distance between the high and the low watermark. So it still had the power. Uh, but the, 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 the recognition of the power in 1905 was, in effect, a formula. And the formula depends on facts to be applied, and the facts changed once the boundary was determined. See, I think there are two problems with that, Justice Souter. First of all, the, the very notion that there would be something left if the boundary line was determined to be at the low watermark on the New Jersey side, in other words, that Article 7 would continue to operate, it would just operate subject to the boundary, at least in the context of, of the riparian right that we're talking about, the right to wharf out to navigable water, that right is essentially meaningless if you stop at the low watermark. In other words, what you're saying and what the special master's recommendation essentially does is says, New Jersey has no right to authorize wharfing out the navigable water without Delaware's what consent. Right think, what right do you think New Jersey has now with respect to the subaqueous land? Is it simply to authorize it to be disturbed to the extent necessary to con- construct a wharf, or does it go any further than that? Basically, I think what, you, what you've said, Justice Alito, is exactly right. That it, I have a more basic question. Assume, assume that the subaqueous land belongs to New Jersey, and that New Jersey gives a private individual a right to wharf out into the Delaware. 
does that individual acquire ownership of the land under the wharf, assuming New Jersey owns the, the sub- subaqueous land? It depends on the form of the grant. But typically — But normally, Jersey, authority to wharf out doesn't convey the land with it, does it? It, it conveys as an interest in the land that allows the doing of the activity of the wharf. for which the — Of the wharf. That's correct. Now, if, if, if merely authority to wharf out would not even convey New Jersey's own land — how can you argue that by reason of this compact, it implicitly conveyed what is now uh, Delaware's land? Well, because Delaware has essentially said in Article 7, we believe, Justice Scalia, that New Jersey may continue to do this. It was doing — I mean, this land — May continue to wharf out, but may not continue to, to grant subaqueous land, which you say doesn't go with wharfing. Well, when, we, when, we're, when we're talking about — I think, is that we're talking about granting the interest in land that is necessary for the riparian owner to be able to wharf out without — that if you have one of these wharfs that goes beyond the low water mark and there are two people at the end of it and one of them shoots the other, who — will they be prosecuted for murder in Delaware or New Jersey? Well, what — in in, — there was a, a gambling offense at the end of a pier um, in, in the, the proceeded from the New Jersey shoreline in 19, uh, in, the, in the late 1950s in, in a case called uh, the Fedorenko case, which I don't have a site for immediately. Uh, the New Jersey uh, Supreme Court held that that was within the jurisdiction of New Jersey, and Delaware I filed a, the New Jersey Supreme Court. Delaware filed a brief, uh, Mr. Chief Justice, uh, supporting that position. So, but, but if I could return just for a second uh, to, to Justice Souter's point and Justice Scalia's point, if one thinks for a moment, we're, we're trying to, uh, to, to, I think, interpret the, the 1905 compact as it must have been understood by the commissioners who drafted it. And so I think that unlike the special master who, at, at the time he's interpreting it, knows where the boundary line is, we have to think about, would, first of all, would the commissioners essentially have been saying to New Jersey, as your hypothesis would suggest, that each state on its own side of the river has the right to grant riparian rights and lands and exercise riparian jurisdiction subject to the boundary line, which for New Jersey would mean that, in fact, if it lost the boundary case, it would effectively have no riparian jurisdiction Mr. Paul, what about — The article that follows Article 7, Article 8 says, nothing herein contained shall affect the territorial limits, rights, or jurisdiction of either state in or over the Delaware River. So that's a qualification, at least, on every other article. Well, Justice Ginsburg, if I may say, the, the quote is longer than that and in a critically important way. It says, it may not do that except as herein expressly set forth. Yes, and I don't see anything expressly set forth in 7, which just says may continue to, which says the status quo is maintained. Well, I mean, obviously we're, we're debating the meaning of Article 7, but it seems to me that Article 7 is an express provision herein, meaning in the compact, so that what Article 7 is aiming at it seems to me, if, if we're correct, that it is essentially meant to operate without respect to the boundary, would expressly set forth a session. And, and I might point out that when this case was before this court, or, or the two states were before this court uh, back in 1934, Delaware's counsel before this court said pretty much exactly what I'm saying this morning that uh, this is on page 44 of, of our blue brief, but said that the compact of 1905, in his view, ceded to the state of New Jersey all the right to control the erection of those wharves, meaning wharves that were constructed by New Jersey riparian owners past the low water mark, and to say who shall erect them. Well, are, are you asking us to reject the concept of concurrent jurisdiction in all circumstances? As far as state jurisdiction goes, it seems to me there is not concurrent jurisdiction over riparian structures, such as piers and wharves, and other kinds of acknowledged riparian rights. With respect to to matters that are non-riparian, for example, if, if a riparian owner in New Jersey wanted to construct a hotel that was beyond the low water mark, 
Uh, that would not be a riparian use. And, how do and we Delaware would have. I mean, let, I mean uh, how do we decide the difference between those two cases? And applicable here, for example, let's say it's, it's perfectly fine for New Jersey to build a wharf out there, but they can't use it for liquefied natural gas, which Delaware may conclude poses particular problems that other uses don't. But I think what you've done, Mr. Chief Justice, if I may, is I think you've detached the purpose of a wharf from the wharf itself. The purpose of, of a wharf is the loading and unloading of goods. That's what, what they're used for. Vessels draw up, tie up, and unload or load goods and, and, or passengers. Could New Jersey, could New Jersey uh, prevent its use for liquefied uh, gas? Under state law, yes, it could, Your Honor. Well, what New Jersey had given this riparian owner the right to wharf out? Well, so obviously the right to wharf out does not include the right to use the wharf for whatever you like. And the only thing we're arguing about is whether it is New Jersey or Delaware that can impose the limitations. But that it is subject to limitation is, it seems to me, absolutely clear. I agree with that. Okay. There's no question that it is subject to limitation. The question is whose laws apply? Who, and, and it seems to me that is a question that Article 7 expressly answers. Article 7, again, says each state on its own side of the river, which is not a designation that is limited by the boundary, because Delaware made that argument to the special master. The special master rejected it, and, and Delaware did not file exceptions in this court. So on its own side of the river, I think, is properly taken to mean with respect to the riparian owners on its bank of the river. Those riparian owners, I mean, excuse me, the, each state may continue on its own side of the river to exercise riparian jurisdiction of every kind of nature, make grants of riparian rights and lands under the respective laws of the states. And, and in your view, to what extent does this involve subaqueous lands toward, and I'll just put toward the New Jersey side? Um, unfortunately, I'm not sure I understand the phrase toward the New Jersey side. I mean, it, between the low water mark. I'm, I'm not sure. Well, I understand your position of where the, New Jersey's jurisdiction begins and ends with reference to subaqueous land. Well, it, it's, it's literal ownership of the land um, begins at the high water mark on the New Jersey side and ends at the low water mark on the New Jersey side. It's actual ownership. Under the compact, we believe, Delaware has ceded to it the right to grant certain interests in subaqueous lands to the extent, but only to the extent, that they are necessary to allow owners in New Jersey, riparian owners, to exercise riparian rights, provided that, that the New Jersey state law grants them that right. If they are it's, just, it's still an extraordinary power for one state to give up. If Delaware is going to if that land, they didn't settle the boundary, but it might be on the Delaware side. If Delaware was giving up so much, what did it get in exchange? Well, again, the, the question that, that you're asking assumes that the, the, the negotiators were coming into the negotiation with their boundary positions fixed and that they were essentially horse trading within the, the the, the bounds of, of the, the different positions taken by the two No, I'm states. not assuming that. I'm assuming it's unknown. But there is the possibility that there's it's the going to end up. I'm sorry. Del it's gonna, there's a possibility that it will end up on the Delaware side. I mean, you're suggesting that Delaware relinquished all of its regulatory authority and gave it to New Jersey no matter where the boundary turned out to be. That is what I'm suggesting with, with respect to this narrow category of riparian rights, just as that's true, for example, in Article 1. New Jersey has the right to um, serve criminal process with respect, for example, to crimes that occur on the eastern half of the river, which is something that New Jersey clearly would not have had if it ultimately lost the boundary dispute. Whereas Delaware got, in Article 2, the authority to serve process for, for crimes occurring on the western half of the river, which it would have had anyway, whether it won or lost the boundary dispute, assuming that the half of the river refers to the channel. So, I mean, it, let, let me — But that's an — Article 1, that's an exception. 
And you don't have the benefit of that exception when you're talking about Article 7. The exception, the exception is not that specific as to the as to the extent of the jurisdiction. Well, Justice Ken, I think you've asked a very good question, but but the, but, but I guess I think it is as specific. It, it's it's quite specific because the the question is what do the terms on its own side of the river mean? Those obviously have some geographical impact here, and indeed. In, in before the special master, Delaware's position was, yes, that is a geographical designation, but what it means is up to the boundary line, in other words, up to the low watermark. As I say, the special master rejected that position. Delaware did not file exceptions from that position. So I think we can accept at this point of the case that's not what on its own side of the river means. So the question then is, what does it mean? And it seems to me what it means is, with respect to the riparian property owned by New Jersey citizens on the New Jersey side of the river, Delaware citizens on the Delaware side of the river. And what it is therefore doing is saying each state may control and determine the rights of its citizens who own riparian property. Mr. Farr, is there, of is there a limit on uh, uh, New Jersey's right as, as long as it's building a wharf, can it do anything it wants to on that, or is there, for example, could it dam up the navigable part of the river in order to build a superstructure on the wharf? Well, there there are two questions there, Justice Stevens, if I can separate them for a moment. As far as state law goes, purely state law, I think the answer to that question is that New Jersey determines what can and cannot be done on the wharf. I should rephrase it. To what extent, if any, does Delaware place a limit on the way in which New Jersey may exercise its riparian rights? Under state, un, un, by applying Delaware state law, I think it cannot impose any limit. Any limit whatsoever. With respect to the exercise of riparian rights. Because once even if, it, the, even if the, the building of the wharf interfered with the navigation on the river? Well, th- this is, I think, why I was trying to separate it into two parts. What, what I've left out, the part I've, I've left out so far, is federal law. Federal law has a significant amount to say about what happens with respect to piers and wharfs. Well, I'm just asking, is it, does Delaware law place any limit on what uh, New Jersey may do in exercising its riparian rights? I mean, it, it does impose a limit, but we don't think those limits are valid under Article 7 of the Compact. I, think I mean, can they validly impose a limit? No, no, they, they cannot. They, 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 what this does is it says for New Jersey riparian owners, when they are building wharfs and piers, they are subject to the laws of New Jersey. The respective states means the laws of one state or the laws of the other state, depending on which side of the river you're on. So they are subject to New Jersey law. Now, obviously, any pier or wharf that interfered with navigation interferes with the, fed- with the federal navigational servitude. So that would be subject to review under federal And what about the example of using a — setting a gambling casino or something at the end of the wharf — well into uh, Delaware territory. You'd say Delaware has no right to object to that. No, I would say it does have a right there because that is not a — That's not a riparian That's not use. a riparian use. What we're talking about is — Anything involving unloading and unloading of ships and so forth would be permissible. Exactly. Yeah. Well, then how come your position in the my murder hypothetical was what it was? Because I assume murder is not a riparian use either. And yet, uh, why would New Delaware have jurisdiction over a casino but not over crime? Um, because I think we're talking about now what happens with respect. I mean, if, if we're talking, this was a gambling, it wasn't a casino. This was a gambling offense that took place on a facility that actually was used for the loading and unloading of ships. The gambling was, was, a, was an outside activity not relating to the use of the wharf. So I think the understanding was that riparian jurisdiction of every kind in nature would be sufficient to say once you have built the wharf and it is a legitimate riparian purpose, not subject to Delaware laws, then New Jersey would apply its criminal laws as well. And as I said, the Delaware filed an amicus brief. Unfortunately, we don't have a copy of it in the record. But the New Jersey Supreme Court noted that Delaware supported New Jersey's jurisdiction over that gambling offense. Mr. Farr, could you tell me one, one thing in Article 7 uh, perplexes me. Why does it say that each state may make grants, leases, and conveyances 
of riparian lands and rights, rights I can understand, but why would they say conveyances of riparian lands? I assume I mean, obviously, each state can <laughs> riparian lands are within each state. Nobody questioned that at the time. Well, I, I think the fact is that this is why one needs to give some sort of practical, take a practical view of what Article 7 is talking about. Article 7, the, the two riparian rights that are of particular uh, interest and, and, and were established clearly in 1905, obviously subject to, to state limitations, were, first of all, the right to draw water, the, the riparian right that was issued in Virginia versus Maryland, where the court said Maryland can't apply its police power, I might point out. The second was piers and wharves. Obviously, a pier and a wharf that stops at the low water mark is of no use at all. It's got to get out to the navigable water. That's where the ships are. It's the Willie Sutton principle. So once you have that, if you're going to have riparian rights, you've got to have the ability to grant some interests in land so that they can exercise their rights out to the point where it becomes meaningful. And that's, it seems to me, why you say riparian lands means the land under the wharf. That's a strange use of it. No, that's what, yeah. I mean, riparian lands could mean the lands on the bank, but I think that's not what they're talking about you, here you in know, context. Any other instance where people talk of riparian lands and they mean land extending uh, under the water? I think because of the context here, when it's, it's linked with the rights, that, that the necessary, the limitation that Justice Alito mentioned gives, colors it essentially to say this is what we're talking about. After all, this is settling. That's your position, that, that lands means the lands under the water. That's correct. Because this is settling. The point of it is to settle and avoid future controversy with respect to the river, and those are the lands that are under the river. If I and there was, in fact, in this project, was, it, was there not there was required dredging of 1.24 million cubic yards of submerged soil that would that, be that's true. the Delaware side of the boundary. That's true, although I might point out that, that uh, as the, uh, the Weggle uh, Declaration says in, in the record, and I can get a citation to that in a moment, it's in our brief, that actually is a relatively small amount compared to much dredging that went on prior to 1905. I thought this extended out more than any prior exercise of riparian rights. In the Delaware River, I believe that is Yes, I think they said this was going to be 2,000 feet, and the greatest extension up until then was between 500 and 600. I'm not — I think the the second figure may be short, but but nonetheless, I I, I don't argue with the premise. Thank you, Mr. Farr. Thank you, Mr. Chief Justice. Mr. Frederick. Thank you, Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court. Our position can be summarized in two words. Boundaries matter. Boundaries determine where states can make grants of land, and they determine where a state can exercise its police powers. And with respect to both principle, the special master got it exactly right. Nothing in Article 7 or elsewhere in the Compact of 1905 precludes the State of New Jersey from exercising its police powers within the boundary determined by this Court in its 1934 boundary decision. And, in fact, at 291 U.S. May I just interrupt right there, Mr. Frederick? Do you contend that they may no longer build wharfs that go beyond the state line? No. Our position is but that the boundaries don't matter completely. No, they can, under Delaware law, a riparian owner in New Jersey can extend past the low water mark, as has been permitted by New Jersey, by Delaware, in every single instance since 1961 when Delaware enacted subaqueous lands laws, except the two times where New Jersey riparian owners sought to violate Delaware's laws by building LNG facilities. In 1972, when the El Paso Company sought to build an LNG facility and was denied by Delaware, and New Jersey acquiesced in that denial, and then in 2005, when Delaware made the status determination that the Crown Landing Facility was a prohibited bulk transfer facility precluded by Delaware law. What if if Delaware took the position that there simply has been the maximum amount of, of allowable building uh, in the river, and from now on uh, it will not, in fact, uh, uh, agree to grant, authorize, whatever the title is, uh, any, any further wharfs and piers from the New Jersey side. Does Delaware have the authority to do that? Delaware can exercise its police authority, as 
Well, it's uh, passed a statute. Is, is the statute effective? The statute is not affected in the hypothetical that you give. Nothing in Delaware subaqueous land laws goes to clutter, visual or otherwise. Well, I'm talking about a new statute. Delaware says enough is enough. No more wharves and piers from the New Jersey side. Is that statute effective and enforceable? That statute would be subject to Delaware takings law. And Delaware has found that — Mr. Mr. Frederick, if the, if the legislature of Delaware passes that statute, I assume they intend it to mean what it says. Uh, and as against a claim by New Jersey or on behalf of a New Jersey grantee, is that Delaware statute effective? It depends. Justice Souter, it depends. It depends on what? The Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of Delaware. A private — Forget forget the federal right now. As, as We're talking about construing a compact. So far as this compact is concerned, so far as the domestic laws of the two states, New Jersey and Delaware, are concerned, would the Delaware statute be effective? The Delaware statute would not be affected by the 1905 Compact, Justice Souter, because Delaware would assert, presumably, if defending that law, that it was subject to regular police power restrictions. But those police power restrictions — I'm not asking you what Delaware would say. I think I I can imagine what Delaware would say. I want to know whether Delaware would prevail when it got here, on your view. I don't think that Delaware would prevail on a blanket prohibition of the exercise of riparian rights by New Jersey landowners. And why? Because Delaware has always permitted the exercise of riparian rights. Well, because but that Del- was before there were all these wharves out here, and Delaware is now saying the facts have changed. Delaware certainly has the power, under our theory of the case, as recommended by the special master, to implement its police powers. Those police powers are always subject to constitutional constraints. And under the hypothetical you pose, as extreme as it is, Justice Souter, the Constitution, both under Delaware law and under the United States Constitution, might well say the state has gone too far in exercising its police powers. It seems to me you're you're running away from the hypothetical. I I have the question that Justice Souter has. Uh, Basically, to what extent does concurrent jurisdiction apply? What are the limits that we will apply in later cases to implement this concept of concurrent jurisdiction? In the laws of some states, you can't overburden an an easement. If you give a power company an easement, it can't put huge uh, 300-foot structures on the easement without without taking more. Is that the kind of analysis that we have to apply in order to make your concurrent jurisdiction, the master's concurrent jurisdiction theory, work? I'm not sure that you would need to go that far, certainly in light of the practical realities of the 150 years of shared use of the Delaware River, Justice Kennedy. Importantly, under New Jersey's theory, to go to your hypothetical, Justice Souter, where the entire uh, bed of the river within the 12-mile circle would be built out, that would be a functional abrogation of this Court's boundary decision, because this Court held that the land under the piers was not belonging to New Jersey, and that an an attempt to extend the entire boundary outward, waterward, would be overriding what this Court determined was the deed of fief. But, but again, you're changing the hypothetical. Your your answer, the answer that you just gave, I presume would be the same whether Delaware had passed any particular uh, statute uh, regarding Warfage from the New Jersey side, or whether it hadn't. Uh, you were giving an answer which took into consideration the compact, uh, but which basically uh, depended upon, uh, rep- we'll call it, the, the general riparian law. The question, however, is the effectiveness of a Delaware statute directed specifically to this issue that says no more. That becomes a dormant commerce clause problem. Justice Souter. He's asking asking about under this thing. Forget about the Commerce Clause. And it's obvious what the purpose of the hypothetical is. You're saying that to to give you the right to wharf out does not mean that you can use the wharf for any purpose that's contrary to the police power prescriptions of Delaware. That is reasonable enough. Well, what if one of the police power prescriptions is you can't have a wharf? Now, you know, can you flatly contradict what Article 7 says? And I really think you ought to give that one away. Justice Justice Scalia, under 
a broad theory of where the boundary is in matters. It would require New Jersey to have access to grant Delaware lands, and under our theory, as accepted by the special master, that would not be permitted. If it is simply a question of use, we would acknowledge that the New Jersey riparian owner well, I can't. I think you're, you're eliminating the right to wharf out. Before 1905, New Jersey was allowing the construction of wharves. Isn't that correct? There were only two proven in the record, Justice Salito, and, and neither of which was proved in this record to go beyond the low water mark. But yes, you're right. It was a wharf that didn't go beyond the low water mark? Yes, in parts of the 12 mile circle. Did jump onto the land? No, in parts of. <laughs> In parts of the 12-mile circle, Justice Scalia, particularly in Gloucester County, there's marshy area where the low water mark extends hundreds of feet um, into the river. And that is where the boundary is, is determined. And it was not necessary in some places within the 12-mile circle to go beyond the, 12, beyond the low water mark in order to build a right. pier. Isn't it true? Well, we can look and see what was uh, authorized or not before 1905. But isn't it true that the ability to wharf out is a classic American, a classic uh, riparian right Certainly. under U.S. law. Certainly. And in deciding whether to allow someone to wharf out, the state with jurisdiction would decide whether the wharf was consistent with state objectives, safety objectives, interference with navigation, and so forth. Yes, Justice Alito. And Article 7 says that each state on its own side of the river may continue to make uh, conveyances of riparian rights. So why doesn't that mean that each state is continue, continues to have the ability to authorize the wharfing out and to decide whether particular wharfs are consistent with the state's police powers? There, the last part of your question, Justice Alito, is where the rub lies, because riparian law was subject to the individual determination of what a riparian right was and how the state's regulation of that right as a private property right would be determined. What this Court's cases uniformly hold is that the police power trumps that private riparian right. And this was recognized by the Attorney General from New Jersey. Then the riparian right is, is worthless, is it not? I beg your pardon? It's worthless if you separate those two. If no. you say New Jersey can authorize wharfing out, except the Delaware can say you can't wharf out because it's inconsistent with our police power, then the authorization to allow wharfing out is meaningless. No, because wharfing out is always dependent on whether or not it is so far into the river to impede the navigable channel to become a nuisance. And none of the cases by this Court talking about wharfing rights concern the police powers issued by the state. Cummins versus City of Chicago held that the federal riparian right given to the wharf owner in Chicago was not, um, could not override a state's determination of how the wharf could be built, that police power. Hudson versus McCarter. But, but that assumes that there's going to be a wharf. You want us to say that the police power means that there cannot be a wharf if New Jersey says no. And no. that seems to me inconsistent. No, Delaware says no. no, no that, Justice, that seems to me inconsistent with saying that New Jersey has a right to wharf out. We are not going that far, Justice Kennedy. What we are I saying. Don't know where, the, what, what, where do you draw the line? What is your distinction? A wharf that impedes navigation is a nuisance that is subject to classic police power restrictions. A wharf that does not have any of those consequences is permitted, and Delaware's permitted those wars. In fact, even recently, when the state of New Jersey petitioned to Delaware to obtain a permit for the Fort Mott State Recreational Park, Delaware granted that. Well, war that is just ugly is okay. So your answer to Justice Souter is Delaware can't say no more wars. Delaware cannot say no more wharves, but that doesn't answer the question that's really at the rub of this case, which is what you do on the wharf. So we have to decide, uh, under your view, the case comes down to whether or not use of the wharf for a liquefied natural gas terminal is a traditional riparian right. And all of the law and evidence suggests that it is not. In fact, the riparian grants that New Jersey issued after its Wharf Act of 1851 never contained a specification of use. They admitted in the — Let's say, Delaware, it's not liquefied natural gas, but it's, you know, bulk shipments. 
uh, is that a, a traditional riparian right that Delaware could not prohibit, or is it something that it could prohibit? Delaware has permitted that. The Keystone facility allows for uh, bulk shipments of coal to be delivered and offloaded within the 12-mile circle. Under your view, a riparian right uh, exists only to say whether there should be a wharf. The, uh, the state with jurisdiction over the riparian right has no interest in what's going to happen on that wharf or what the wharf is going to look like. They are distinctive rights. It's like, it's like um, zoning laws, Justice Kennedy. You can own a piece of land, but that does not mean that you can override the police powers of the state by what you do on land. Well, what's the point that you just made that Delaware could not prohibit a coal wharf, but it can prohibit a liquefied natural gas wharf? Delaware's Subaqueous Lands Act makes that distinction. No, but it's and not, as a matter of police power. No, not what Delaware will do or, or did do. Can it, could it do that? Del- Delaware has to. Could, pro- de- could Delaware prohibit a coal wharf? It, yes, it could. That, if, if it were deemed to be a proper exercise of its police authority, yes, it could. Well, that's the question. And the answer, Justice Souter, is not decided by the facts on the case here, but rather on the individual circumstances. I appreciate that there are hypotheticals. Then your answer to Justice Alito is, tell me more about the circumstances, and I will then give you an answer. Indeed. Because there are constitutional constraints. There are dormant Commerce Clause considerations. What we want to know is whether or not there are constraints in the compact. The compact does not contain the constraints. The Attorney General of New Jersey recognized this, and this is at the appendix starting at 905 of the Delaware appendix. In 1867, New Jersey's Attorney General Robeson issued a very lengthy and scholarly opinion on the difference between the powers that a state could exercise over riparian rights. And he distinguished in that opinion between what he called the great public uses, which would be for defense, for the environment, for protection of the people's safety, and what were deemed to be public uses. Those would be using those riparian lands for a railway bridge or a terminal that would be for commercial purposes. And he said that in the instance of the great public uses, there would not be a need to pay compensation because that great public right overrided the riparian proprietor's exercise of a riparian right. With respect to the public use, however, and this is at page 910 to 911 of Delaware's appendix, he said that with respect to those public uses, there might be a requirement for a taking or a payment of compensation. And so, Justice Souter, I appreciate that our position has a frustration in the sense that it does require individual facts. But I would submit to you that in the 160 years in which the uh, uh, New Jersey uh, citizens have been wharfing into the Delaware River. Del- Delaware has permitted that in every single instance except two. And they but are both it, liquefied it, natural gas facilities. It's rather recent that Delaware has gotten into the business of regulating at all. I, I thought that for most of this period, until the 60s, Delaware just wasn't doing anything unless something was a nuisance and that didn't come up. It is correct that Delaware regulated by the common law, Justice Ginsburg, but as the special master correctly found, just because the limitation under the judicial precedence is for nuisances does not mean there is no regulation. When Delaware chose to override its common law riparian jurisdiction by implementing statutes, New Jersey acceded to them to the point that in its consideration of coastal zone management laws in the 1970s, the Attorney General of New Jersey was specifically consulted whether compliance with the federal statute and Delaware statutes was necessary. And in 1980, issued a coastal zone management plan, New Jersey did, that recognized that if there was an LNG facility, the agreement of both states was necessary. The deponents in this case, every single one of them from the New Jersey side, including persons who had worked for the state for nearly 30 years, said that the entire time they had worked for the state, if the project crossed the boundary, there had to be a permit obtained from the state of Delaware. We would submit that permit, the constant — permit for the project or a permit for the wharf? If the wharf extended beyond the boundary line, Mr. Chief Justice, a permit for the wharf. And that permit — Well, then what what does the 1905 compact give New Jersey? It gives New Jersey the right to say who shall be the riparian owners to exercise their rights 
what they can do, and up to the point where there would be an encroachment of the police power of the state, the permission to do that. What, what case, and I could ask Mr. Farr the same question, do I consult in order to give content uh, to the term riparian rights? Where can I see what the substance of riparian rights is in the, in the decisions of, of this Court or in other leading decisions? The leading decision of this Court, Ms. Uh, Justice Kennedy, is a case called Shively versus Bowlby, which was decided a few years before the 1905 Compact. And in that case, this Court went through an exhaustive determination to show what the riparian rights were state by state by state. The purpose there was to determine whether or not an Oregon riparian landowner had rights that were consistent under Oregon common law with those granted in a deed by Congress. And in order to do that, the Court went through a very long uh, examination and analysis of riparian rights as they existed in all of the states. If I understand you correctly, Mr. Frederick, you say that the, that the police power of Delaware despite Article 7, includes the power to require you to get a license before you can wharf out from the New Jersey shore? I am saying yes, that under Delaware's — no, it's — In other words, Delaware can say, no, you can't wharf out unless you get a license from us, despite despite Article 7. If it goes beyond the boundary, that is the position of Jersey. Of course it goes beyond the boundary. If it (laughs) — they have but the other it. side of the boundary, you don't need Article 7. New Jersey can allow anything to be done up to, up to the to the low water mark. But you're saying that despite Article 7, Delaware can say, no, you cannot wharf out until you get a license from us. Yes, there are prohibited uses, Justice Scalia. You have to get a license under New Jersey law, too. And that's the whole point of the state officials by New Jersey saying compliance had to no. be with both laws. You, you've just read Article Article 7 out of the compact. No. This it, gives nothing to New Jersey. gives it, nothing to New Jersey at all. It protects the New Jersey landowners who, in the interregnum between the 1905 compact and this Court's boundary determination, would have faced the uncertainty that their grants would be deemed purposeless by, Jer- by Delaware. What this Court said in its boundary decision was that the mere use of those was uh, was recognized by Delaware under the common law, was not deemed to be a nuisance, but under this Court's decision in Coffee versus Groover, a grant made by a state that does not have lawful title to the land would be deemed invalid. That case, which was decided in the late 1880s, invalidated grants that had been made by the state of Florida at a time when the boundary was uncertain. And this Court said that those grants were invalid in light of the uncertain title that the state had when it made those grants. Why wouldn't Delaware's police power allow it to require the demolition of all existing wharfs? Those would be deemed takings, uh, Justice Alito. That's fine. They but it can be do required it. by compensation, yes. So long as it pays. Yes. What, what's left under your reading of Virginia versus Maryland? I understood that case to say, I mean, it's the same thing. The Maryland boundary goes to the low water mark on the Virginia shore, yet this Court held that that did not include uh, police power to prevent the particular riparian use at issue there. The decision in Virginia versus Maryland is distinguishable in a number of ways, and if I could take a moment to, to go through those ways. The first is that it involved a different compact with different language. The 1785 compact between Virginia and Maryland specifically provided that each the citizens of each state shall have, quote, full property in the shores of the Potomac River. The Court construed the phrase full property to include riparian rights. Excuse me. Uh, New Jersey does not have full property in the shore of the Delaware? Yes. It- well, then that's no basis for distinguishing. What else is there? The Black Jenkins Award issued to resolve the boundary line was decided in 1877, and in that arbitration decision, Maryland specifically uh, represented that the boundary should be drawn around the wharves that were on the Virginia side of the boundary, so that the boundary, instead of being at the low water mark, would carve out every pier that had been constructed. The arbitrators rejected that, but in the process provided that the riparian owners on the Virginia side could go beyond the low water mark. That is a direct quote, beyond the low water mark, to exercise their riparian rights. Congress' case here as well. There's no doubt that New Jersey, under the compact, has the right to grant 
riparian rights, including wharfing out, that go beyond the low water mark? The doubt here, Mr. Chief Justice, is in what the phrase own side means. And we think the better reading of own side is captured by the grants part of the special master's recommendation is that own side means the boundary. But to the extent that a right can be exercised, a right, parian right, authorized by New Jersey beyond the low water mark, it is still subject to the police powers. And at page 10 of the special master's report in Virginia versus Maryland, the special master specifically said this case does not concern the exercise of the police powers, but rather the mere withdrawal of the water. There is no issue here as to the types of general police powers that would apply to the riparian right. And finally, I would note that the special master was the same. He was uniquely positioned in this case to assess the applicability of Virginia versus Maryland because he had been the special master in that case, too. I don't understand the difference between withdrawing water as not being subject to the police power. That could mean they could drain the river, in effect. Well, what the court held and what was decided in that case was that the taking of the water by Virginia was not to the level where it would give rise to the kind of police concern that Maryland might express. The court left that issue open. I don't understand that. It's up to Maryland. What's a concern? If Maryland doesn't want any water taken, why isn't that a a valid exercise of Maryland's police power? It it would be a valid exercise, but I was answering Mr. Chief Justice's question about what is left of it. And the question, what is left of it, is that Virginia can continue to withdraw water from the Potomac River, whether there should become a problem in the future about over-withdrawing or an exercise. As I understand our decision in Virginia versus Maryland, it's that that withdrawing of the water is a carve-out of Maryland's police power that would otherwise apply? It would, it would um, be a limited carve-out. That is correct. Right. Now, but why isn't there a limited carve-out on the New Jersey side of similar riparian rights? In other words, New Jersey has the authority to authorize wharfing out, and to that extent, it's a carve-out of Delaware's police power. It is a limited carve-out to the extent of permitting the wharfing out, Mr. Chief Justice, but that is — You don't even acknowledge that. You deny even that. You you have said that that Delaware can prevent the wharfing out and say you can't wharf out unless you get a license from us. If it is a nuisance, you cannot get a license. That is classic riparian law, Mr. Justice. I, I understood your earlier answer to be exactly what Justice Scalia said. Are you now saying that Delaware can prevent it only on the grounds of, ex- of, of preventing a nuisance? I, I'm saying, yes, that would be a classic exercise of right. No, I'm not saying whether that would, would be a classic exercise. Is that the only circumstance in which it can be exercised? Or, conversely, does Delaware have the authority to say no simply because it says no? Let I thought your answer the first time around, finally, was the latter. It can say no. And I think that's what my brother Scalia thought. Now are you saying it can say no only if there is a nuisance or some other uh, specified reason? Let me try it this way. As a limitation of a riparian right, the state of Delaware can limit the length of the wharf, whether the wharf goes in ordinary circumstances. But as to a prohibition, it cannot do so unless it is a nuisance as a matter of riparian jurisdiction. As a matter of police power. I don't. Oh, wait, wait. wait. He's not done. As a matter of police power, however, the state can can do anything. No, the state can limit the activities that can occur on the wharf. And that is the crucial distinction here. And it can limit it, I presume, subject to some reasonable uh, rule of health and safety? That's correct. Okay. It simply cannot say, as a matter of legislative case, no more wharfs. That's correct. But who decides whether it's a nuisance? If Delaware says that docking a sailboat is a nuisance, who decides that? Well, ultimately, all of those have to be decided by us in original well, cases? <laughs> Typically, the Corps of Engineers determines that issue as a matter of uh, application of the 1899 Rivers and Harbors Appropriations Act. And Section 10 of that Act, Justice Alito, the Corps of Engineers has the authority to determine whether or not a docking or wharfing in a navigable waterway of the United States would constitute a nuisance. If but but you're absent- not talking about nuisance. You're talking about Delaware's environmental laws. That's what this project concerns. That's correct. 
and you were, you were saying Delaware's environmental laws trump whatever riparian right New Jersey can grant? The uh, environmental laws would apply to the project. The position of Delaware is not that BP can't build its wharf. It's that it can't engage in a prohibited use on that wharf. The wharf itself is not a nuisance. It does not violate any normal standard of riparian. Could, could the state uh, of, of, of New Jersey allow the wharf to be built for some unspecified purpose, just let it stick out there until it decides what it wants to do with it? As a matter of both states' laws, Justice Kennedy, that's not how either state does it. Uh, both states now require, as part of the I'm, environmental I'm asking permitting, a hypothetical, could it do that? It would seem to me that would be a very stupid riparian use, but could it do that? I think that, uh, yes, it could do that if, it, if its intent was to uh, achieve, uh, uh, you know, access to the navigable waterway. But beat both states, both New Jersey outside the 12-mile circle and Delaware, apply police powers now so that permits have to be required when. Well, how does that work? Uh, what if New Jersey says to the wharf owners, you must dredge around your wharf because we think it's, an, you know, silt is depositing. And Delaware says you may not dredge around your wharf because we think it's going to disturb the oysters. We, who, how does concurrent jurisdiction work in that case? That is an easy one, Mr. Chief Justice, because New Jersey has conceded that it does not have the authority to regulate dredging within the 12 months. Well, well it's something they do have the authority to regulate. That's the point. Riparian jurisdiction is quite limited. It concerns only certain aspects of the riparian owner's access to the waterways, and that limitation of that property right has been recognized for centuries by this Court and other courts. It has never — You use the word riparian jurisdiction. We have riparian rights. That's the familiar term. Riparian jurisdiction, which is used in Article 7, is a novelty. That's correct, Justice Ginsburg. I'm using it in the term that the special master did it, which is the state's jurisdiction to govern the exercise of riparian rights. It is not a term of art. Farnham's treatise, which is another source of where riparian rights traditionally have been recognized, did not uh, use that phrase, and the parties could not find it. Does the riparian right include the right to dump refuse or sewage into a river? It is. Yes, it is a part of the classic riparian right, intakes and discharges. Just Even though that would create a nuisance across the river, you'd say still, who would trump? Who would prevail? The police power would prevail on that, because what you dump is what is where everything matters. If the dumping is simply water that doesn't have any ecological effects. No, I'm assuming something that pollutes the river. That would be subject to the environmental laws. That's classic police power recognized by this Court in Hudson versus McCarter. Thank you, Mr. Frederick. Uh, Mr. Farr, you have three minutes remaining. Thank you, Mr. Chief Justice. Uh, may I just say two things? First of all, something that we haven't really talked about this morning, with respect to, to matters of nuisance and all, Federal law provides a substantial array of laws, the Clean Water Act, the Clean Air Act, uh, the Coastal Zone Management Act, the Bridge, uh, the, the Rivers and Harbors Act, all of those things, uh, anything built out from New Jersey has to undergo federal review. And subject to the compact, Delaware has rights to participate at the federal level. So what we're talking about here and what the Bill of Complaint deals with is the question of whether Delaware can do what it did here, which is apply its state law enacted under its police power to say that a proposed uh, project, riparian project from the New Jersey side is impermissible and cannot be built. So we are dealing just with the law of state versus state. Now, so I'd, I'd like to suggest if we, if we put ourselves in the shoes of the commissioners who were negotiating this compact in 1905, what is the likely reaction if Article 7, if now Delaware had proposed at the time that instead of the language as it is now, at the end of Article 7, the words were added, subject to the police power of the other state. New Jersey obviously would have had the reaction to that, 
that that is something that depends on the boundary. There's no chance New Jersey is going to be able to exercise any police power on the Delaware side because there's no boundary dispute that, that would involve that. So this would essentially be a one-way veto that Delaware would be trying to add to the contract to say, could we, that we'll be able to override any repairing structure under our police power. It's a one-way pass. Why shouldn't it be a one-way veto? Well, it seems It doesn't give Delaware anything. Well, except for the fact that, again, if we put ourselves in that shoes, it seems to me what New Jersey would say is, if you were proposing that you can veto all of our repairing projects using your police power because of your view of the boundary, why are we dismissing the case that we just filed, or filed in 1877, to determine the the boundary? You're saying that the concept of repairing rights displaces the police power to a large extent. To the extent that the exercise of the police power is inconsistent with the power of a state, the authority of a state, to authorize a peer or wharf for the purposes for which peers and wharfs are used, which is the loading and unloading of goods. If that's what the sta- if that is what New Jersey has done, that is not subject to an override or a veto by New- by Delaware exercising its police power. I mean, this was an important value at the time the compact was enacted, and New Jersey would not have lightly let Delaware veto it. So, far, can I ask you a question that's purely a matter of curiosity? But the parties talk about the Duke of York's grant to William Penn in, in this case. But nobody ever explains where Delaware came from. How did that where, — where did Delaware — I mean, a grant to William Penn is Pennsylvania. Where, when did — Oh, there, I think there were further grants along the process and, and further division of, of territory. I, I think some of that is actually explained in, in uh, New Jersey versus Delaware, too. I may be leading you in the wrong direction, but I don't think so. Thank you. Uh, the case is submitted. Thank you.